there are many optical illusions which can fool our mind. Many things that we can see that confuse us, lead us down a path that we think is right, but which can be proved wrong. If you want to have a play with these later, I'll leave them in the lounge and you can have a go with them. We sometimes are quite sure which is the biggest, which is the longest, which is the strongest, which is the most powerful. We have our concept of reality that is fixed. And sometimes we get proved wrong. We might be very determined that we are right. We might dig our heels in. We might say what we believe and thump and say, this is it. But when it comes down to it, we might be wrong. This morning's passage has two different men in quite different circumstances who think they know something of God and of his ways, but God shows to them that they need to think again. The first one, Saul, has been persecuting the early church and then has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's going to the city to arrest people, to take them away because they are believers. But then he is blinded and hears a voice that repeats his name and challenges his behaviour. And Saul's question is, who are you, Lord? Who? Who are you? Because he needs to know by what power and strength this thing has happened. What power and strength could cause him to go blind even though his eyes were open? What power and strength could drop him to the ground in the way that he falls? And the voice responds with, I am Jesus. I wonder what that phrase does to Saul. He's already down there. He's already shocked by what has just physically happened to him. And now he realises that Jesus, who he thought was dead, is speaking with him. We know, because we've been celebrating it the past few weeks, that Jesus is risen. The grave did not hold him. He is alive. And we know now that Jesus has ascended to the Father's side, that he truly is the Son of God, that he is one with the Father and the Spirit. But that is so far removed from where Saul was. 
that he must be very shaken. But there's also the realization for Saul, not just that he is alive, but that thing about the relationship with God. I am Jesus. I am those words that were spoken from the burning bush to Moses. Who are you? I am. The Son of God is God. There is power in that name. So here we have Saul, the man who studied the law, who believes himself to have been faithful, who would have entered Damascus with pride and prowess, now needing to be led by the hand and is feeling weak and realizing that he has been going against the will of God. He's been involved in the death of innocent people. He's sought the termination of the church. Everything that he has been building his life on is wrong. Many people build their life on the wrong foundations. They might have misunderstandings about what is important, about what will give them hope, about where their identity can come from, about what effort should be focused into certain areas. I've recently been reading a book by a guy called Nick Page. It's called The Dark Night of the Shed. And in it, he sort of describes um, what sometimes happens to people in sort of the middle of their life. They realize that they want a change. They want something new. And uh, in this book, he points out a number of false gods. First one he names is Lycra, the god of youth and youthful appearance and getting our worship by going out and exercising and being that perfect human in all ways physically possible. The next is Dosh. The God of wealth and of possessions. If I can just have that thing, it will help me. He puts his third and fourth gods as a kind of twins, twin gods. Exhaust us, the God of work, and Kudos, the God of status. People working away, that's all they can see. Or they rise up the career ladder until they get to the top, or at least as far as they can rise. That is where they are. What car they drive, what house they have built, what job title.
His fifth god that he mentions is Rompo, the god of sex and sexual images. Sixth was prudence. Not about being careful with money, but about a God of security and being sure that everything stays the same, nothing changes. It's a sort of God that looks backwards and says, wasn't it always sunny? Though I found his seventh and last God interesting, Credo, the God of certainty, which has subdeities of dogma and pew-filler. The religion of simply being in a church rather than being church. The religion of saying, this is how it is, this is how it always will be. Not in relation to God, but in relation to church life and worship. Some individuals worship a number of these gods, and others focus on just one. But all false hope can easily crumble. And for Saul, who has misunderstood the scriptures, who has closed his eyes to the reality of the truth of Jesus, he is now discovering how lost and how blind he really is. I imagine that based on his own past behaviour, how he has responded to those who have brought false worship in his eyes, that what would come to his mind is how great a punishment he will receive. If he was arresting the people that had been truly worshipping the Lord... What punishment should the one who arrested those people receive? And so he must seek mercy from God. For three days he has no physical vision. He can see no objects, no people. He cannot see the city that he is humbly led to. And cannot see the room in the house on the main street. But he fasts. And he prays. And he has a vision in which he understands that God will make him see again. And he will see the truth with great clarity. All can be changed. And by the power of God it will happen. Now, of course, what punishment will he face? The fact is that this accomplice to murder, 
This man who went into a house dragging out men and women and then into the next house and then the next house. This man, Saul, who has persecuted the church, will not feel the punishment of his sin. For it was Jesus himself that took that punishment. Jesus took the weight on his shoulders. Jesus bled and died for the forgiveness of Saul. And for the forgiveness of me. And for the forgiveness of you. That your sins might be washed away. God has love. An abundance of grace. And so he sent Jesus that we might all change. That we might know the truth of who we should worship. And how we should live. That we can discover the right way of life. Honouring the Father in the way of the Son. And equipped by the Holy Spirit. A loved people who will in turn love others. And will love their God. A loved people who are joined together as a church. Built in that relationship with the Heavenly Father. And this is where we must come to the second person in the story. The second person who must change. Ananias. Because it's all too easy to tell the story of Saul and that road to Damascus experience and forget about Ananias. Ananias, who is already a follower, who is already a disciple, who is already faithful and is praying and is ready to listen to what God's saying. William Barclay referred to Ananias as a forgotten hero. That's true. We forget about him. But without him, we are left with Saul as a blinded convert rather than the apostle to the Gentiles. So God speaks to Ananias. And it's not like calling Saul on the road. Saul, Saul. Ananias' name just needs to be said once. He's ready. He's there. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes Lord, he answered. It's a quick response. He's got his ears open. It's not like in 1 Samuel, you know, when we hear the prophet being called 
And as a young boy, it's the fourth time when he says, Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. You know, here, it's an immediate response. And then the Lord says what is required. Go to Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias does not come across as much of a hero. Not at this stage. But like many a prophet and many a preacher, he starts to think twice. Here he is being called by God and he starts to complain. He says, ooh, Saul's a bit of an unsavoury character, don't you know? Ananias starts to try and find a path out of this call. It's as if he believes that the Lord doesn't really know what Saul is like. Ooh, no, Dora, you don't want me to go to him. He's arresting people. He's allowed to arrest people. No, quite an unpleasant chap. No, I'd rather not go, thank you. But of course the Lord knows what he's like. The Lord knows Saul by the hairs on his head and the thoughts in his mind. Everything is known to God. And there are times that we who are sure we are following the way, we that are like Ananias, might hear God calling us to do something. And we go, no, that's not what you want me to do. That's not what you would want anybody to do. We have to have our ears and our mind and our heart open to what God is saying. We may have built our understanding of church and godly worship to be something that it is not intended to be. We, the people of the church, can be good at making golden calves like Aaron at the foot of Sinai or as good at building legalism as the Levites the Lord speaks again go and Ananias goes and he goes to pray with the laying on of hands on the blinded Pharisee and calls him brother Saul brother whatever our background whatever the differences no matter what we have done the Lord welcomes us all into his family and just as Jesus on the morning of his resurrection referred to his disciples as brothers we can be brothers we who follow the Lord 
are sisters and brothers of him and of each other. And as Ananias trusts God, as he prays, along with Saul, the eyes can see again. And there is a new way forward. That passion that Saul had had is flipped around. And we see now that he has some food, he has something to drink to recover from the fasting. He regains his strength. And at once he begins to preach in a way that just a few days ago would have led to him arresting someone. He is changed. And we are called to be changed people. To reject the false gods that are around us. Not to buy into the myths or fall for the illusions that others believe in. We are instead to place our hope in the salvation that comes through Jesus and be ready to respond to the call even if it takes you where you don't want to go when he calls say yes Lord don't question it but go Amen.